analysis, commentary, technology, preparedness, and pop culture. From Nashville, Tennessee, the home of hot chicken. I'm Jess, the straight Christian conservative one. And I'm Chris, a gay Buddhist libertarian. We will explore today's issues with opposing viewpoints. And feature guests with incredible or unique stories. We may see things differently, but in the end, this is... Still love you, bro. We have Eli joining us in the studio. Eli was with us on one of our very first episodes... Uh, where we interviewed Aaron, and everybody remembers Aaron. We we you know started talking about some pretty deep subjects on that episode. And after the show, we sat around talking, and Eli brought up some interesting points. So we've asked him to come back today. One of the things we were talking about after Aaron left is you, you made the comment that you know a lot of African Americans were brought up um, being told to fear the police, being told to fear um, you know certain things, and that brought us to the conversation of likewise as a white male. I also have fear of saying the wrong thing. Right, right. I think that mainly, I guess my point was, is that we are so, we're brought up as to everyone is equal. At least I was. I know some people aren't, but um, brought up to as everyone's equal and to look at each other the same. And I feel like that that, almost that pressure hits us so much where we're like, okay, I don't want to be racist. And so you're, like, um, what was his name? I'm sorry, I forget his name. Aaron. Aaron. Like, he was saying, um, you know, that people trying not to be racist was, in a way, racist. I feel like that is because we are brought up in the sense of, don't be racist, don't be offensive to this person. I mean, and in the opposite light, they're brought in to look for that in a way, almost. Sure. It's and- also... And, sorry, I'll jump in real quick. Um, it's. I think it is also... Um, important to, like you said, Eli, and, and we, we're brothers. We, we grew up in the same household. Um, we uh, were not raised thinking, you know, hey, I need to be conscious of this difference or I need to, right. we, we weren't, we weren't told to, um, to value our culture as, as white people. You know, we weren't told to, um, to uh, conform to a certain way of thought because of our race. I sure. think that's an important distinction to make in that, you know, com- it's common, uh, and obviously this is coming from a white person who was not raised in a black household, but I can I can comment on what I see um, in culture that is being encouraged. Like we talked about during that segment, um, your experience when adopting a child, you had someone ask you, what color do you want? And and and, um, and you said that you found it offensive because it's like, well, why why – is that why does it matter? Why does it matter that a black child should be raised in a black household so that he can that he can be taught about black culture? Black culture is not a thing. Black culture is a skin color. Black blackness is not a singular unified uh, uh, feeling or a single unified political belief. I feel like that's what it's pushed as. There are black people from all kinds of different parts of the world that think very many different ways. I I think the problem is is we've conflated. Uh, as a society, we've compla- conflated a skin color with a certain political ideology or a certain belief set, and we're kind of indoctrinating these kids to believe that they are marginalized regardless of how they experience life. Right. Sure, because like you guys, I was brought up, and you know, we didn't have the discussions in my household of how not to be racist. I was just brought up, and I had friends, and it didn't dawn on me at the time that there was a difference because I was just— I was around, you know, people of different backgrounds and different cultures, mm-hmm. but society has changed that now where 
you know in your heart that you're not racist, but the the one thing that you have to do is make sure that nobody thinks you are. Right. And sometimes it's it's hard to it's easy to overcompensate to so that nobody thinks you are mm-hmm. because you know deep down in my heart I know that we are all human. Mm-hmm. But I've been put in situations where you know the first thing they said well or or they assume is that well you know you're a white guy from the south so you know, I find myself being extra cautious about the way I say things. And I've done this on the show. You know, we talk, we've, we've, we've used the word black, we've used the word African-American, you know, what is politically correct and what's not. And and we get to the points where we're trying so hard to, to not be racist that we're having to overcompensate so that people understand that we're not. Oh, and right. I did it with Aaron because, and, and I think this is also part of the fact that that was like our second show. So I, we were both uncomfortable with challenging somebody's beliefs, and we did, I also honestly didn't want to scare him away. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be so aggressive, you know, as I would maybe with you when we're challenging each other's beliefs, so as that he doesn't want to come back. And I guess this is more or less an invitation, Aaron. I'd love, I don't want to sit here and debate you when you're not here. Sure, you know, and that's that's kind of the thing I'm worried about talking about this is yeah. because I don't want to debate someone who is, cannot sit here and defend themselves. Um, but I can at least speak to my own experience. I am not racist, and personally, I really don't give a crap if you think I'm racist. And 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 uh, I just don't want someone to dislike me. And unfortunately, people can assume you're racist and therefore dislike you. Right. So I, I'm not af- afraid of the of the tag because I can prove just by saying and and you know by my actions, I'm not going to treat someone differently or disparage someone simply because of the color of their skin. I think a good distinction to make, and and I think this was, we were almost there with, with uh, talking to Aaron. Um, We made the distinction that, you know, racism is not necessarily when you look at somebody and make an immediate snap judgment. It is, it is, you treat them differently and you treat them uh, in a negative way because of their skin color, regardless of their character or, or how they do. Right. You know, Eli, so you work in an industry where it is multicultural. Uh, there is every background, you know, every color, every mindset, every religion, and you're forced to work as a team. And I, I'm not going to say where you work. If you want to, you can. But um, you have to have teamwork. And and to right. do that teamwork, you have to accept people for who they are. Right. But do you ever see uh, any sort of systemic racism in, in your line of work? So as far as my line of work goes, um, I would say personally I've never seen any sort of um, systemic racism or honestly any sort of racism um, it is so hound on at least um, to not be racist not be prejudiced not be um, discriminating towards other people based off of uh, even their gender or their um, their sexual, uh, orientation. sexual orientation yep um, and they give you specific training for right. this okay. yeah yearly yearly um, alright so I, I do work um, for the DOD or the armed forces. Um, I'm a soldier. Um, my personal views do not represent the DOD or the army in any sort of way. These are my own personal views. Um, but I would have to say that the army and at least the military, how things go as far as equality and no discrimination is, is almost foolproof in the sense of, um, I've never personally seen anyone get discriminated against or told they cannot have a position based on the color of their race or their gender. Um, and the actual, uh, job I have is very, it's, it's very mixed gendered. Um, and so 
with that comes a lot of um, people in higher positions that are different genders. And uh, actually my – I guess my – well, I'll just say it because I know you know, it's hard for you guys to understand. But my first sergeant, which is basically the highest enlisted in my company, was a female for the longest time. And it was the – she was the best first sergeant I've ever had. Um, as far as race goes, I mean, you've got – all sorts of mixed races in our platoon and who are in positions of leadership and who are, um, who are, you know, male, female, my personally, my team leader is a female and she's one of the best team leaders I've ever had. Well, well, she's the only team leader I've ever had actually, but she's amazing. I mean, she's, she's a great team leader. She, she executes the mission flawlessly. I mean, really, I guess the only thing that could prevent you getting a, a position in the military is your own incompetence <laughs> sure. in all honesty. So, and um, I mean, but there's basically, I think two, two statuses for you. And that is your, your training or you're in wartime or you're mm-hmm. deployed. And I know we're not in, um, you know, the traditional war, the, the Gulf war type thing where you're, you know, you're out in a battlefield shooting, but right. you know, when you have deployments, you're active and there is a battle. So, but I think in training, especially, and then in wartime, if you're in a situation where you need help or you're gunned down, I don't think you one would really care, you know, mm-hmm. the 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 background, the nationality of your teammate who is coming to save your ass. No, I, I wouldn't care. I mean, if, if you're what it boils down to mainly is are you gonna be able to save my life at the end of the day? Are you able to give it are you gonna be able to save someone else's life at the end of the day? I mean that's that's the I mean, that's that's the gist of it pretty much. I mean there's no other, um, you know, even if you don't like one another, I mean, you can still work and do your job and execute it. And, you know, on that note, um, I, I kind of, I had an experience with this in college. When I was in college, I was, um, I was a live in volunteer at a fire department. And about a quarter of the way through that, I got my, uh, EMT license and I also performed those duties. Uh, the, I had someone on Facebook and, you know, I was still in the debate stage on Facebook is the best way I can describe it. I'm completely off of it now because I can, I have better things to do. Um, but, uh, I actually had someone, um, this was during one of the first, um, very high profile police shootings. It might've been, um, Michael Brown or, or, um, Eric Gardner or something like that. I think it was, it might've been Michael Brown. Um, and, uh, this was during that whole fallout, and of course there was um, uh, there was a bunch of people that were anti-police um, on Facebook, and they were constantly talking about that stuff. And and in, in our department, you know, we were we were close with uh, our law enforcement. Um, that's not the case everywhere. Fire departments and police don't typically get along in a lot of places, but we were kind of banding together because you know when one of our brothers, even though we might not like each other at the current time. If you're threatened, you know, we kind of jump in and and try to defend you. Um, So we had a lot of people that were talking about not down on just police, but down on first responders in general. And uh, it was, I really honestly, for one of the few times in my life, I felt like I was actually offended. Um, And I wrote back to somebody and basically said, it it honestly offends me that you think that that I would make the decision to try less hard to save somebody's life just because of the color of their skin. When you're, when you're in a burning building, you can't see anything. 
you have a you have a mask on you're surrounded by smoke in mo- in a lot of cases you can't see anything you are feeling okay i can't see the color of that person's skin when you're pulling them out of a building right. i only feel that they're a human being and when they come out it doesn't make a difference what they are i'm going to do cpr i'm going to try to save their life and people there are people out there that honestly believe that i am making a subconscious decision to treat a person differently in that situation just because of their of the color of their skin. And that is offensive to me as a person. I don't make that decision. I, that's not something that even comes through my mind. And I feel like a lot of the people that think that way, that think police officers and, and uh, uh, first responders have some sort of subconscious racism, it's offensive to me because that is the last thing on our minds when, when you come down to a situation like that. So I will say this as far as, with every job comes, you know, jerks, you know, there's not always good a bad egg. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. There and it's the same egg. with the military, you know, like, um, if somebody's a jerk or, you know, I would hope not a racist, um, you wouldn't make it very far. I think in the military, if you're a racist, um, in fact, um, I used to watch this show called carrier and it's a, uh, it's a camera crew that goes along. I think Mel Gibson actually produced it. Maybe I can't remember. But this was a while ago. This was in the height of, uh, I think, Gulf War. And uh, the sailor's on board, and um, he had some racial trouble. Apparently, he said a couple of, you know, the no-no words. And uh, he ended up getting what's called chaptered. At least we call it chaptered. He got chaptered out of the military. He got kicked off the ship right where it was. Um, and he basically had to sit aboard and do nothing till they could get back to port, you know, and when they're, I don't know how long sea cruises are or anything like that. Um, I had a friend but, in the Navy, and they were months. Like, he would go out for months. Yeah, I would say six months to 12 months. I'm sure during war it's longer, but I I, I couldn't tell you. But as, as far as the Army goes, they have representatives. They have what's called a um, equal opportunity, which is this whole program about um, how you cannot, you know, discriminate or be prejudiced or racist towards people of different color or gender or sexual orientation. Um, and they have representatives who their whole job is to prevent and, you know, get rid of um, those kind of barriers, I guess you could say, within the military. Um, so basically if you were denied a position or a position and you think it was based off of your race, you could uh, you could go to this representative and say, hey, look, I applied for this, and I think I was denied based on, you know, color of my skin. Okay. Well, then they pick up the phone. They take it from there. They find out what's going on. And then from there, I think military justice can get involved, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm not too familiar The whole with point that, is though. they take it extremely seriously yes. to stop those things because it can compromise um, it, operational security. Exactly. It can compromise how well the military performs. Exactly. Compared to not too long ago, though, when they had Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, transgender soldiers were being removed from the military. I mean, there are some there are some downfalls to it. Right. Just like with, um, we have what's called SHARP, which is a sexual harassment, assault, and rape prevention. Um, it's a pretty long name, pretty long title. But its whole premise is to prevent you know, sexual harassment and such. And it is so harped on in the military. I mean, like, it's almost, it's almost uh, scary, dare I say, I think for anybody 
um, who would go through that because it, it, there's a whole investigation. There's, you know, all these different types of reports and you basically, you can get, you have to sign some things that will say, you know, you can't talk to certain people and it's a big deal. I mean, it is a huge deal if this happens. So, I mean, and I think it's a great thing because, um, I know at least back in the day, the military used to have a sexual harassment problem. Um, because of course the military is a male dominated, uh, career field. Um, and it's when that program came up, I mean, yeah, but I mean, it is dead serious. I mean, we even, as, as far as my job goes, um, it's, it's an MP and I'm in the guard, so I'm not full-time MP. So if you're listening and you're active duty, don't harp on me too much. Okay. Um, but when we go through, we actually, as MPs, we, we get sexual assault response. We have to go through that training um, and learn how to deal with a sexual assault or a rape or, you know, and, and how to treat the victim and talk to them and, you know, they want to go to the hospital and all that stuff. So, I mean, it, it is taken very, very seriously. Um, and I would almost hope that it is taken that seriously in civilian places as well. <laughs> you would hope. And the thing is, is, you know, in the military, and this is obviously a part of partially a stereotype, but you, a lot of people that end up in the military, most of them are really good people, but some of them are in there because they really don't have anywhere else to go. Mm-hmm. And you want to have a really tough environment and very strict environment for those people because that's that's how they're able they to need function structure. properly. Right. They need structure. And so this, a lot of these really, really tough regulations are necessary because you got a lot of troublemakers. And, and it's sad you even be, have to yeah. like have programs once a year to teach people not to rape people. Right. I mean, my friend in the Navy, keeps he was talking about the other day. He's like, well, you know, it's time for my yearly don't rape anybody training. Mm-hmm. And I, we kind of laughed it off. But, you know, the it's like the, the word caution hot written on coffee cups. Like it yeah. takes bad things to make these programs that you really shouldn't need. It should be right. assumed that you're not going to rape somebody. Right. In the military or in the commercial sector, exactly, it should be yeah. assumed that you're not going to discriminate somebody because they're a woman. And you know, I'll say this: it's really interesting because if you think about it, us and and everyone else that's been on this show, we are in a completely separate class of people as far as how we think because we're here to get along and we're here to share our opinion in a in a civil way. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people in this country and around the world. They don't think like that. They're not the ones that listen to this podcast. Right. People that listen to this podcast are here because they want to hear these discussions and they are concerned about how other people think and they want to um, work towards a more peaceful society where we all get along. Right. You know, But the people that we're talking about, we're, the people that are required that we need to have these don't rate people programs. And the reason I have to go through, you know, sexual harassment training at work every year, even though I understand I shouldn't sexually harass my coworkers, uh, all of us have to do that. But it's not because we are the ones that are doing that. It's because there are actually people that exist in this world. And there's a lot of them that have to be told not to do something <laughs> repeatedly. Well, and, like my 14 year old. <laughs> oh man. I was surprised as far as like, man, people got to learn about this and know not to do this. Whenever I first got into the, you know, going through basic and EIT and learning about all that stuff, I had to be like, man, I mean, this was kind of something I always knew. But there's legitimately people out there who, you know, 
They don't know aren't raised that way. They weren't told yeah, that. Yeah. Exactly. So um, you're shocked when they, they pop in a video and say, we got to teach you not to rape somebody right. from, from a background like we've had. We're shocked. It's like, pretty you obvious. really have to show us that? Yeah. And, and I, I think today, um, as far as bringing up children and, and people being brought up, you know, it, it's it's more like, I guess, focused on not to do those things, not to be that way. Because, you know, and, and I'm not going to, I can't speak for everybody, of course, um, but I would assume that, you know, back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, you know, they weren't really too concerned about teaching their children not to be racist or offensive, you know, but that's just how today is. I mean, that's the world we're going into, um, whether it's, you like it or not. It's I mean, a really interesting transition, and, it, and that's, a, that's a subject we could probably talk about for a long time, yeah. is, the, is the difference in our society now in many different ways. Now, obviously, we're probably a lot less racist society as far as towards African-Americans and 110%. other races. And, but at the same time, you look at the politeness of our society has gone very downhill. Oh God. Extremely yes. downhill. People are so rude to each other. And another thing, I, this is, this is a very controversial topic in my opinion. And I feel like it's, it's, if you think about it enough, it makes more sense. Um, for many, many years, at least ever since I've been alive, the goal of, of, um, of our schools and education in general has been to, um, be accepting of other people. Right. And and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I, in my opinion, I feel like in many ways it has gone way too far as far as making people feel like they belong and stuff like that. Now, hear me out. It sounds weird, but hear me out, okay? There is a reason that certain behaviors in the past, as far as social behaviors, the way you act in front of people, are discouraged. There, it, it, There is a reason that people don't want to be around a person and that person learns to not behave in that way because when they behave in that way, people are less apt to be around them or they make fun of them or stuff like that. We've gotten into, into this mindset where we have to protect our kids. And if our kid acts really weird around people and those people don't want to be around them or they, or they make fun of them, those people get in trouble. Right. Why Why is the kid not taught, well, you probably shouldn't act that way. You probably shouldn't have an outburst of, of weird noise. That's what I did when I was a kid. I made noises. I was literally <laughs> like playing games with, with my hands and making battle noises. Yeah, and I was a weird kid and nobody really hung around with me. And guess who learned to do it better? Because I realized that people aren't going to hang out with me or be around me if I'm weird. Right. You know, well, and ever, but you know, everybody's definition is weird of weird is differently. And I, we keep telling her we, we we adopted a fourteen year old, and we've had some behavioral issues with him because of where he came from, and so we've seen both sides of it. Where you know he goes to school and he acts a fool because of some of his issues, and so all the kids at school think he's weird. But at the same time, I'm telling him like it's not that they don't want to be friends with you because maybe they don't, but you will find your tribe. Like you will find somebody just as weird yeah. as you. But on the flip side, he also has to deal with um, people making fun of him for his family. And he mm, came home the right. other day and, you know, a kid's picking on him and, you know, calling him gay because he's got two dads. And I'm like, are you? And he says, no. And I said, well, that's fine. It's none of his business. And you could just, you know, answer the question of mm -hmm. why just because I have two dads would I be gay? You know, throw logic back on him. So he sees both sides. He's He gets picked on for that. 
but he's also the kind of kid that screams in right. class and you know makes mm-hmm. noises and blurts out the answers and stuff. So nobody wants to be around him. Right. So here's a good partition then. I think it would be good if people are socially there are social consequences for doing things that you can control that are not socially desirable. Sure. Whereas things that are out of your control, for example, your familial situation should be disallowed from people making fun of those things. Absolutely. And of course you can push that further and say, well, you know, even though that child can't control that situation, the parents can. And so if the child's made fun of because of that situation and I'm not talking about your particular situation, I'm talking about like, let's say there's, they're always late because their parents are taking them late and stuff like that. I think social consequence is important. And my, my whole thing about saying this is I'm afraid that we have removed so much social consequence that we're, we're sprouting all kinds of weird people. And unfortunately people that some of them are shooting up schools or shooting up malls, you know, and they, they, they were allowed to act in a certain way and think a certain way because there has been no social consequence. They're told, well, you just, you go with people that think alike to you and, and those, those views and those actions are amplified. Right. And another thing I'll say is, is I think we've gotten used to, Instead of standing up for yourself, having somebody else stand up for you. Yes. yes. It is so important to stand up for yourself. Yes. If you don't stand up for yourself and you go to, you cry to somebody else, you know, what does that do for you? Oh, yeah. Nothing. And I have to teach, you know, I have to teach him. And this is my first child. And I'm learning as I go. And there is no manual. And I, uh, wow, if there was, it'd be great. But, um, you know, he he asks all the time, well, you know, would you be mad at me or would I be grounded if I had, you know, handled that situation talking about that kid? And I'm like, well, you know, it it all depends on how you handle it because, you know, I'm not going to let him be bullied and there's no sense of being run over. Right. But if a kid's just asking you a stupid question, probably just to get attention for himself, you know, about your sexuality, you answer in an intelligent way and say, what logic do you have that, you know, just because I was adopted into a gay family, would I be gay? Right. And typically, when you throw logic at an idiot, it shuts them up. Yeah, right. I said, where you will be grounded is if you just hit him. That is not the appropriate yeah. level. It, it, However, if he shoves you and, you know, continues that on, you will be grounded if you don't punch him back. <laughs> yeah. My and, dad said something similar when I was a kid. I was bullied a lot. I, and I talked about this in previous podcast, but um, I was bullied quite a bit in elementary, middle school. And... Eventually, I did get to the point where I had had enough, and I ended up like picking up a kid and pinning him against a wall, and and uh, I got I got suspended for that for several. Di- I think it was a week, maybe. I got suspended. That school that I went to would not handle that bullying situation, and it eventually escalated to that conflict. Um, and guess what? My dad picked me up from school after he got the call, went suspended, and we got went and got ice cream. You know, right. he didn't tell me to punch the kid, but he told me that you know. They had exhausted all the options. They'd gone to the school. They'd gone to the parents of the kid. Nothing was helping. So he said, you know what? It's up to you now. you got to stick up for yourself. Don't let someone push you around. And I think you made a good distinction there, Chris. You know, that's not saying someone makes fun of you, you attack them. That's not the that's – not right. you exhaust all your options. If you're backed into a corner and, you know, you're threatened, sure, do what you need to do to defend yourself. I've always heard the saying – you can't. You you don't need to start the fight, but you can end it. Sure, absolutely. That's what I've always heard. And you end it by your actions and words, or you know, you you physically end it. Right. But it right. all depends on the level that it starts with. Yeah. Whole escalation of force there. Sure. Yeah. 
but, but most the of the time, yeah. when you're dealing with ignorance, and and I don't blame these kids because these kids learn this this from from you know their friends at the other at the other kids in school and their parents. So you know they were they were taught for whatever reason that that's the question that they should ask in a roundabout way. I, you you can't fight ignorance with ignorance, and and so if you just reply with a logical answer and turn it around on them, that usually just shuts them up. And gosh, I really can't. I really cannot imagine um, the grief that that he might get because of because of you know having two dads. I mean, a lot of kids around here in Tennessee that that's completely foreign to them. They don't have any dads. I mean, that's, exactly. That's true. I keep telling him, like, you I know, don't have I'm one. Like, you have two. Can I borrow one, please? Yeah, I mean, think <laughs> about that. I'm like, you know, kid, listen. You know, most a lot of these kids at your school are single parent yep. kids. You know, yep. they would kill to have a dad in their life. But how great is it to have two dads? You know, I mean, it, it, yeah, you, you, maybe you were adopted by a family that had a, a mother and a father. That's great. But you know you you're you're the type of kid that is a you know is a dad kind of kid. You do the dad kind of things. You got two, mm-hmm. you know. So celebrate that and and don't listen to anybody else. And but the fact that you've got two and some kids don't have zero, you know, consider yourself lucky. And iron sharpens iron. I really think that as long as he is able to process those critiques and those and those challenges correctly, he will come out a better person yeah. because of it. And make know? him stronger. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. But he has. He has to be guided through it, and and I know you can do it. You know, Chris. At least I, I think you can. I know I know your characters. I believe you can do it. But oh, it's been know, hard. I know it's been difficult, but you you've got this. You know, you you chose this life. <laughs> oh God, I sure did. It's it was not an accidental uh, one nighter. We picked him, but um, I just everybody's always like, you know, how's it going? And I've I realized the yardstick of parenting is knowing that you haven't successfully killed him. You know, we've we've given right. him food every day. He's he's woken up. You know, we just and I haven't knocked his head off. I haven't had to paddle him. So you know, he's alive. He's learning good things, and and he'll turn out fine because he's he's experiencing a lot. He sees a lot of life. You know, we 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 take him to our friends. He sees the fact that we have a, a diverse set of friends. You know, we involve him in that. He may not be the center of attention, but he's around. And you know, a kid like that soaks up information. So it goes back to, you know, I'm not going to tell you we're not a racist family. I'm not going to tell you this. We will show you. You mm-hmm. will learn through our actions Absolutely. rather than our words. I feel like that's what our parents did because we never we were never sat, right. you know, sat down and told, "Hey, we're not racist, just so you know, if anyone right. ever asked, you know, that's really suspicious. And, and that's really what it boils down to, I think, as far as if you're a racist, you're a jerk. I mean, you're either a jerk or you're a good person. Yeah. I mean, that's the two distinctions in this world, I think. And, you know, to go deeper on that, I, I didn't want to bring it out on this show, but we talked about that, which is why we're talking to you today. Right. We also have to look at the timeline of events. And, um, you know, my I remember being very young and my uh, great-grandmother, um, you know, had— um, neighbors that were African American, and in that timeline, you know, they used the N word to describe the family next door, and and that rolled off of their tongue. Um, you know, we're going to invite that family over, and they would, you know, they would use the N word, and they would they would be at each other's houses. And they'd probably you know, they probably treat each other meals. exactly the same. Yes, fine. and you know, when I look back on it, like I cringe, but to them in that generation, like that was the descriptive word that they used at the time yep. for that, and. and you know, but that didn't that didn't teach me racism because I heard that word, but I saw something different. Right, and that's where the distinction is. That's why I think, and I, I really wish Aaron was here because I want to talk about this with him. Yes. You know, I, I really think that it is. 
it's not a good thing to raise a child and tell them the world is against you. Right. Like you, you, if you tell a child, you can't do this. There are people that will stop you from doing things because of the color of your skin. If you tell them that's how the world is, that's how they're going to see the world. That's how they're going to exist. And they will, when they can't accomplish something, they will put it up to that. They'll put it up to racism and they won't go anywhere. You know, and I'm not saying that's, that's for every case, but that's for a grand majority of the cases. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's so, that's so terrible thinking about all these kids raised in this environment, raised to think that there are people that are stopping them from doing this and it removes personal responsibility and therefore it causes them not to prosper. And and I think too, the other problem that we have is we're allowing people to give words so much power. And when you give a word so much power, there are going to be problems. You know, the N word, we've given that a lot of power. Fag, I've heard that before in my life. I don't give that any power. So you can call me whatever you want. You can call, you know, anybody, anything. And if they don't give that word power, it does nothing. Mm-hmm. Let it just roll off of you. But we have, as a society, have have taken all these words and we have attached um, a power to them and we have let it affect us so much. Oh, and it's, it's they're so powerful. If you are, if you even admit to saying that word at any point in your life, you've lost your job. You've lost your career. You're yeah. off your television show, whatever it is. That's that's crazy to me because everybody has made mistakes in their life. Sure. And a lot of them were made before they even thought to make a better decision. Right. Well, By they the didn't time, know if that decision was right or not. Right. I mean, you learn. You What's the cookbook lady that had the cooking show? Do you remember um, her? She's got a, she's got a restaurant. Stewart. Huh? Martha Stewart. Is it Martha Stewart? She's Well, maybe not. Maybe it, not. It's, Martha, no, Stewart Martha Stewart's jail, an actor. She? Yeah. No, she's... she's is she an actor? I don't know. She, don't was, know. There's, she sells bed sheets. Yeah. There's oh. one lady and, that and I don't cookbooks. Know. <laughs> That's the first name that came to mind. There's honestly. one lady that has a restaurant here in Nashville. I can't remember. Um, but anyway, she used to have a cooking Paula show. Paula Dean. Paula, Paula Dean. Dean. That's, Paula what it was. That's her. She admitted to say the word. That's that's all she did, right? She didn't say it on national television. She admitted she had said it in the past. She was canceled. How is that fair? She's old. Yeah. She's an old woman. She Leave came, her alone. I, I've heard that word. My great grandmother used that word when she invited exactly. her neighbors over. So, do we need to go dig up your great grandmother and throw her and throw her body in the lake because no, she said right. the n word in her life? Like, but come on. She had the actions to disprove it. And and you know, in the last show, we talked about uh, what my grandfather had written. SMG. I, and I, I meant to tell you that. And this probably doesn't tie in, but I have to say these things when I remember them or I'll forget. Right. SMG. Small minds talk about people. Medium minds talk about things. Great minds talk about ideas. And I think you can classify people in one of those three categories. You're small-minded, you talk about people. You don't mind your business. Medium minds, obviously, you're talking about things. And great minds talk about ideas. They start, um, you know, they start thought that changes the world. They, they start thought that has new inventions. And I, I think it's a good way to classify people. I'm very happy to be a part of this podcast because our listeners, they're of those great minds because they're sticking around and they are listening and thinking about what we have to say. Some of them are even commenting and emailing us. They're saying, hey, this is, we like the way you said this. We don't like what you said about this. Here's why I believe that way. Here's why I think this idea is better. The the free market of ideas is one of the the sole things that has allowed the United States and, and many other developing countries to grow where they have. 
I really think free market of ideas is a very important thing. If we start saying that certain ideas are inherently bad and they should not be allowed to exist, they're only going to be fueled more. Absolutely. Exactly. It shouldn't be illegal to be a racist. It should not be illegal to be a Nazi. Mm-hmm. You should, if you want to be a Nazi and you want to be a racist and you want to be one of those people, by all means, you, you should be you, able to do boo. it. You do you, right. man. That's all you. Yeah. But the thing is, is if people let, if you let that happen, people will be able to decide. Hey, these people are are idiots. We don't need to associate with them. Yeah, the let that with, blossom. Let that blossom and really understand who they are. Right. Exactly. And and the and the thing is, is if you start silencing them, I think that's what's happening right now with a lot of the. With a lot of the super right wing movements that have started happening, the reason they're growing is because people are telling everyone is saying they're bad, they're awful. You shouldn't even think about them. If you mention them, then you're banned. If yeah. you say they have, if you even talk to them, they're not even given a platform. Right. You can't even have them on a show and talk to them. That people are attracted to what is banned. People are attracted to the things they can't have. Censorship, right? Yeah. It's not the fact that they're they're attracted to that culture. It's the fact that there must be something here because everybody's trying to stop. No, they're it, trying to right? hide yeah. it from me. Absolutely, yeah. right. So I mean, we need to have a. <laughs> I probably should say that. I was going to say we probably need to have a racist on our show to give his opinion. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> well, bring them on. Honestly, I'm open to everybody's. I mean, there's a reason that they feel that way. Yeah, and and so absolutely, if if you're out there and you feel differently, um, if you feel uh, that you would like to come on the show and and tell us why you feel like you do. Um, we will allow you. We're not going to change yeah. your mind. That's that completely just is the opposite. We're not a show. This. But you have a voice. Right. You, if you would like to speak your piece, let us know. Send us an email. Um, it's uh, Chris at stillloveyourbro.com or Jesse. At stillloveyourbro.com with a Y-A. Y-A. Yep. And, and here's, we're not going to deplatform anybody. If you want to, if you are confident enough in your ideas to sit across this desk from me and tell me why your idea is better or why I should believe your idea, and you're able to hold up to criticism and logic, by all means, come on come on right here and sit down. Even if you don't believe you can hold up to criticism and logic, you have got some big cojones to have someone sit here and say, I'm going to challenge your ideas, so go for it. That's one thing that I think is bad right now that we have is we don't let people challenge ideas. If you challenge an idea that's mainstream accepted, and you are silenced, or you should be silenced, or people call you bad names. They call you racist. They call you this. You, they call you that. Just because you don't think a certain way, and you think that something can be done differently. Cancel culture. Cancel yeah. culture. We talk about that a lot on this show. Crazy. I mean, if you have an idea, and you want to express it, and it comes out that it's wrong, then it should be, like, okay, that was wrong. But who determines what's wrong? That's the other thing. Yeah, a a lot point. of that is is perception. I mean, you know, who who makes the decision of what is right or wrong? Hmm. And there, that, that's the thing is, is, um, I believe it's a moral thing, honestly. Like, like the, the majority of population and what they feel. Well, that's the or, dangerous thing. We don't want majority rule because if, if, if that is the case and the majority decide what is the correct ideal and then the incorrect ideal is to be, is you should not have it. You're not allowed to think that way. That's a very Orwellian society. Um, we're dealing with that right now, actually, with um, in in Congress, where um, Democrats are pushing to remove the filibuster, which would essentially allow um, a a simple majority, fifty one votes, uh, to allow the passage of any legislation they have. Um, that is dangerous, in my opinion, because we have a straight half and half government right now. 
as far as in the people's house and in the Senate. So if one side changes the rules to ram through their legislation, that will be the sole death of this country, not because of what they pass, but because of what the, they open up. Because guess what's going to happen? The Republicans, when they get in power again, if if they don't legislate their ability to get in power again out of, of possibility, which that, that's a whole other thing we can talk about, um, when they get in power again, they're going to do the exact same thing because they're going to get revenge. They did that already. They it's did that with, a uh, with Trump's judges that he appointed. Um, the Democrats were the ones that removed um, the requirement for uh, judge uh, for Supreme Court appointees um, to have a a uh, sixty vote majority. Um, they brought it down to a simple majority during the Obama era. And Mitch McConnell said during the during the Obama era that um, they're going to regret it. So when Trump came along and appointed a really conservative Supreme Court judge, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, and then also the what was the other one he appointed the woman that was. Uh, Amy Amy Comey Barrett. Amy Comey Barrett. Both of those. They came through on a simple majority because the Democrats changed the rules, and they did regret it. But didn't Kavanaugh end up – because I I think of Kavanaugh as Trump's direct appointee. But didn't he end up voting on something that was directly opposite of of Trump's agenda? Yeah, he did. But that's that's the point of this. Supreme Court judges are not meant to be political things. They're not meant to be – Political they have to be allies. Impartial. Yep, they're that's the whole point of a judge, and that's why. It, and that's why when I did a little bit of case law in college and a little bit of uh, law regarding communications, and instead of saying Republicans and Democrats as far as on courts, you talk about conservative judges and liberal judges, and and we're not talking about conservative liberal as far as belief systems, although those typically line up. Um, we're talking about people that the conservative judges are typically. They are textualists. They they want to conform to the original interpretation of the Constitution as defined by um, uh, all the documents that we have surrounding it. You know, the federal Federalist Papers, uh, the mo- notes of James Madison, all that stuff like that. Um, and uh, then we also have um, the liberal judges that are um, more apt to interpret the Constitution based upon. Um, current time and and uh, current social state uh, social uh, condition and all that stuff like that now i i personally don't believe that we should have liberal judges in that respect liberal judges really irk me because um they almost sometimes completely disregard the original interpretations of of the constitution i understand that sometimes you need to consider the social aspect um, of the current day but it, but at that point, does that not defeat the whole purpose of the Constitution in general? Does that not defeat the purpose of having a a a solid and long standing set of rules that are meant to be abided by as long as this country exists? No, because the problem, and I love the Constitution because it does lay down the bedrock of our society. But the problem is, it was written by a different type of of person. It was not written with the uh, the advent of the internet. It was not written with the cultural problems that we have today. And so you have, you can't take a lot of stuff at face value because there have to be some interpretations to fit modern times, unfortunately. So there are some things in the constitution where, you know, when it was written made a whole lot of sense. And that was a very basic doctrine of the time. However, we have far surpassed the limits of what the Constitution can can provide for us. Take simply 
the right to bear arms in 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 those times that was a very simple thing because they didn't have the types of weapons that we have now and so the mindset of that was yeah you know we think everybody on the prairie should be should be armed however now I believe that everybody should have the ability to have a firearm if you're mentally capable and you have the training. However, um, what is a weapon? We've moved away from, you know, muzzle loaders and we have rockets and we have fully automatic weapons. You know, do you think that those are what they meant when they said everybody should be able to carry a weapon and arm themselves? In that time, the army had muskets. The army had cannons. The army had ships. Private citizens had muskets. Private citizens had cannons. Private citizens had ships. If you think about it in a sense, we are worse off in the original interpretation of the Second Amendment now than they were back then. The whole point of the Second Amendment, but you have to remember, this is coming from a country that just split apart from a tyrannical government. Now, whether or not they were actually tyrannical, we can talk about that. But... That is the cause that they split off from. They wrote the Second Amendment in the Constitution to give the people power independent from the government. As in, the government is not the sole bearer of arms, not the sole bearer of physical coercion and power. The whole reason for the Second Amendment is not to allow people to hunt for food. The The whole purpose for the Second Amendment is not to let people have recreational fun with firearms. The purpose of the Second Amendment is to allow people to have the ability to kill tyrannical government. But it didn't say that. It said bear arms. At the time, the understanding of the word bear arms meant something completely different than it does now. You have to culminate that understanding, kind of like the interpretations of the Bible, especially when people throw out the, you know, anti-homosexual things. You can pick one little part of it, and when it was written— and interpret it different ways. But when you actually look back at the context of society, when those, those things were written, and then you look at what was written prior to and after that statement, it completely changes it. So yes, you have to be able to interpret things based on the time frame that it was written in. And so when, you know, when they signed that document, the, the idea and the concept of what bearing arms was, is completely different than what bearing arms is now. But they didn't sign that document thinking that um, arms were going to continuously be the same. They they grew up in a time where weapons were continuously changing. They they did not think that arms were going to stay the way they were for the rest of the existence of this country. They 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 couldn't have fathomed what they would surely surely not have. But they at least had the the mind to think that weapons would become more advanced. But what they did know is that the people should have the just as much right to bear arms as the government. And if we take the actual text of the Second Amendment, um, which Eli has already pulled up here, if you want to read it, Eli. Sure. I, I, I thought I he have, was looking at Facebook. I have it memorized, but nope. you, if you want to read it so I don't mess it up. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So let's break that down. So a well-regulated militia, comma. Okay. So we have to... Is there... There is a comma there? There is a comma. There is a comma. The punctuation is important. It is very important because it was written in a very specific way. 
a well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary for the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to bear arms shall not be infringed. I think the biggest thing here, the takeaway, is it says the right of the people to keep yes. and bear arms. It does not say the right of the militia. It does not say the right of, you know. But now let's take that three different positions. What is the right of the militia? I mean, what is the militia? It doesn't militia? say anything about the right it of the militia. A well-regulated militia being necessary to keep being uh, sorry being necessary to the security of a free state. Okay, and so that comma, says that a militia is necessary to have a free state, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's because people. You, you've got to think back then. Our government at the time was formed of a militia. It was formed of farmers. People coming out of their homes saying, we've had enough of this government, and coming together, banning arms, saying, we're not going to take it anymore. So I think that comes down to saying the people are allowed to form together to militia, become militia. I don't know, militia eyes? I don't know if that's a word. Anyways. It is now. It is now. <laughs> militia eyes. Um, and to come arms. together into arms to keep their... Security, keep their freedom. To, and, so, and to but keep, you can only have guns if you're in a militia. I do not. The think right so. of the people to bear arms shall not be infringed. You have to remember these people that were in this militia. We did not have a militia organization that owned the arms. These were these people's personal weapons. Mm-hmm. That that is the weapon they went out and hunted with. That's the weapon they kept in their home and maintained themselves. There was no funding to keep these people weapons. This was personal weapons. So. What the most I think besides the whole the right of the people to bear arms shall not be infringed part of the of the Second Amendment, the other most important part of that is being necessary for the security of a free state. Okay. A free state. What he is talking about here, he what the founders of the Constitution, what the framers are talking about here, is they are saying a free state. People who can make their own decisions, people who can gather together in mass, form a government that is for the benefit of themselves. They are not under the the will of a far foreign power like they were just coming out of. They're not under the will of someone who is detached from their needs. They are a free state, a people that make their own decisions. So this this is important because. If we ever lived in a society, and there's plenty of societies out there like that communist China, for example, um, if we ever lived in a society where the government um, was the sole bearer of arms and the only way to get arms was to be a part of the military um, and the people had no way to fight back against any sort of action from the government – they simply had to conform or they had to die or they had to protest and die. Like the Teton Square massacre, I think it's Teton Square. Is that yeah. what it is? Is it Anaheim Square or something? But but that's assuming that you have a tyrannical government. Well, you don't have to assume because it will happen. Tyrannical government will form if the people have no power. But do you think, though, I mean, considering that line of the Constitution, that anyone should be able to go out buy a handgun and carry it to protect the free will of their state with no background checks, with no training whatsoever. It is their right. With no mental. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I don't agree with background. I think background checks are important. They already exist by the way. And, uh, if we want to talk about the most recent shooting, um, all of the propositions that the Democrats have put forward for gun control measures already exist in, in Colorado. 
they did not prevent this mass shooting. Sure, because so they national- didn't have the proper controls. Because I and, and don't misunderstand me, I am I am for the Second Amendment. Yeah. I own guns. Uh, I'm not a gun nut, but I love guns and I have them to protect my family. And I'm a collector, but I think that we should have smart gun control. And and what I say to that is, there are people who don't have the mental capacity to handle a weapon and make the decision. We're talking millisecond decisions between life and death. And that goes back to the fact that our mental health system in this country is broken. And there are people that need the help mentally so that they don't feel like they have to go and shoot up a supermarket. The system should allow and have in that, in that operation, the ability to ensure that the, the people with, with mental instability can get help before they can openly carry a weapon into a grocery store. And, and you know, what, you know what the crazy thing is in every single one of these mass shootings, save maybe some few, few um, extraneous circumstances, every single one of these mass shootings, the person who did it was known by their family, by their friends, by the police, by the FBI, that they were crazy and nothing was done about it. That should have come up. Uh, the background check. Yes, it should have. Should have flagged something but somewhere. But guess, guess what happens? The FBI drops the ball. Somebody drops the ball. The local government drops the ball. So everyone keeps dropping the ball and it's killing people. That is the stupidest thing about this whole situation. And it's both sides. They want to focus on banning guns. They want to focus on removing the rights of the free citizenry to own weapons. But they won't even enforce the law that they already have on the books. They want to expand background checks, but they can't even get the background checks right in the first place. Why is that happening? It's costing people lives. Absolutely. And and, and you on the flip side is if I'm in that supermarket, it ends then. Yep. I mean, that's the reality because I'm going to protect myself. But when you start taking the, the, and, and I am mentally competent. I mean, I, I, ha, I go through training, you know, I have, I, I watch videos, I train, you know, with my weapon because I know that if there ever is a time that I have to make a split second decision, I hope that I have enough training to make that decision. Right. And, but now we're starting to look at me having to get rid of my firearms because somebody that, that the system dropped couldn't couldn't control theirs. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to blame it on the weapon. The weapon did not kill people in Boulder, Colorado. Somebody that was mentally unstable did. And what right. keeps happening is people drop the ball, and and it's immediately used as a political issue. I'll be completely honest. I don't believe for one second that any of the Democratic politicians pushing gun control are actually concerned about it. At least the leadership, because if they were, they would be fixing the holes that led to this guy slipping through the system. And there are actually some Democrats, I believe there is a gentleman that has signed on with Ted Cruz trying to push a mental health bill that will also exp- uh, expand the system of, of uh, checks and balances for those background checks so that people are on the list that they need to be on when it comes to purchasing a firearm. That is actually a good thing my, as progress is being made right my now. My only thing with as far as red flag kind of laws go is what determines that. You know, you could have a guy who, let's say, I know as far as red flags go, um, I think Virginia has red flag laws. Um, but, you know, a man could so have Colorado, a— Colorado, by the way. Good point. A man could, you know, have a bad breakup with a girlfriend. You know, nothing physical or anything like that. They just have a very bad breakup. 
And now she goes and says, well, I don't think he's mentally stable, you know. Well, then you have a case of who's right. You know, it's her word over his. And if she's saying he's not mentally stable enough to own a firearm, well, then who's to say that he's mentally stable enough to make a statement? Sure. You know, it I just really, think it can, there's, there leaves a lot of room for it to be abused. The difficulty is, is, is we are literally saying that a judge can make a decision to remove one of your fundamental rights as an American. That's the, that's the downside. That's the hard thing about it. But when you look at back at all, and we'll take Columbine, we'll take uh, Sandy Hook, we'll take now Boulder. But when you look back, like you said, everybody says, oh, yeah, you know, he he's always said crazy stuff. Nashville, you know, the, the, the Christmas Day bombing in Nashville, which affected yeah. us. Like in Nashville, when these investigations come out— the neighbors all come out on the news and say, oh, yeah, you know, he's been crazy for years. He's always talked about blowing stuff up, and, you know, he's always talked about shootings. Those are the people that shouldn't fall through the cracks because you know, they have a history. It, yes, you're the right. The family said, of that shooter. I'm sorry to interrupt you. The family of that shooter, he brought that gun home, and he was playing with it around the house, and it made him so nervous that they took it away from him. Why didn't you call the police, you idiots? Yeah. Come on. I, that that just makes me so mad. People have a lack of personal responsibility when it comes to crap like this. Well, because we tell them to mind their own business, and then this happens. Right, mind your that own business. That is not when you don't yeah. mind your okay. own business. I mean, that is that is if, that is your business. If, if some, if I was, if look, if I was walking down the street with my AR-15 or something, right, like like you do, you know, um, and someone called the police, and the police came. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not. I don't think my rights have been violated because someone has seen me carrying a weapon. And they're concerned. You have a right to be concerned, and you should call the police. Uh, there's people no, that on the on the conservative side. I don't side, think so. Really? Because yes, because just because you're concerned means that you have to be stopped and quite. You're not a threat. If you're walking down the street with an AR on your back, you're not a threat. I don't if care. If you're walking I, down the street with an AR firing rounds into a school, you're a threat. I'm not saying that they are. A, they're you know coming at me with guns drawn. They should investigate. I, you know, I don't think I'm not saying for as far as the red flag law. I'm talking about people reporting suspicious things like that. If they would have called the police and said, "Hey, my this kid just bought a firearm. He was acting threatening with it. He's in my house. I've had to take it away from him." Surely there would have been some investigation, and they probably would have looked at this guy's computer and social media and found out that he had actually planned to try to shoot up the Republican National Convention. Where the heck did they find that information? They probably found it on his computer. They probably found it on his Facebook page. But we don't ever look at those things. Well, but the NSA does. So if they know wherever we're browsing, then why shouldn't they be able to say, hey, this, this guy is going to be a threat one day? I mean, it, it's a huge can of worms that, that can't be solved because if, you're, if I'm walking down the street and I'm exercising my right, which we've discussed the Constitution, and that is to carry my AR on my back, first off, I have no reason to be. I'm not trying to test um, the police. So I wouldn't as a, as a, as right. And that's kind of where my I kind am. Of person, I'm not going to test anybody. I don't have anything to prove. I don't need, first off, everybody knowing I have an AR. I'm a little bit more private than that. So if you find me walking down the street with my AR, something's wrong. But mm -hmm. you know, if you're extra, if you, if you are the kind of person who wants to exercise your rights, show your rights, you know, and whatever display to people that you have that right, I get it. That's your right. But do you, do you expect to be stopped because somebody's uncomfortable that they saw you with the firearm? Mm -hmm. The question is, you have to put everything to a litmus test. Hey, this guy in Walmart, and I was in Walmart once, and there was this dude with this ham bone on the side of his leg, big old 357 blaster, you know, in this really nice leather case, like right there hanging out. And I, 
had to stop and think, like, first off, you have that right. I, I'm not questioning that. It's none of my business, but you're the first target if something goes down. You're right about that. But what are you trying to show? I get that you have that right. Hide it a little bit. When but it, but he is not the threat. That's I know. the thing. I, I'm not saying I was not he's concerned a because it was in his holster. I'm saying he's not robbing the place. I'm saying that if a person calls 911 and says, "Hey, I there's a guy walking around my street with an AR15." That's unusual. That's reporting a suspicious person. You don't see someone walking down the street with an AR15 every day. Okay, maybe maybe I don't live in the town that you do. If you have that, sure, call in and oh, call in. We're not on the radio. I'm so used to being on the radio. <laughs> Send us an email if you have if you routinely walk around your town with your AR-15 on your back. Um, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with the police investigating a suspicious person. I don't think that there's any rights being violated because the police have the right to, if they have a 911 call and they say, hey, I have a suspicious person and he's carrying a gun. The police have probable cause when they see that person carrying a gun with the, this, the description. They have probable cause to detain that person and investigate what he's no, doing. Well, absolutely they do. Not. Absolutely not. And I'll say this. You said two different things. You said there's a suspicious person and he has a gun. That's two separate things. What is suspicious about the person and he has a I'm gun? I'm talking about from the caller's perspective. You know someone calls 911 and they say, Okay, there's a dude walking around. They're, the reason they called is because they're suspicious of that person. Exactly. Okay, so the officer shows up, and if they see that person walking down the street and he's not shooting anybody, that should be the end. Because flip, flip the side for a second. If you're walking down the street with your pistol out of your pants, and when I say that, not hidden, but you know, in a, in a holster on the outside of your pants, um, and you are not committing a crime— and you have no intention of committing a crime, do you feel that somebody should be able to stop you, detain you, identify you, search your background, and ask you what you were doing? Well, here's my thing. You do I have, not. I have nothing to hide. I have no reason to I be get concerned. That, but you... And and it's nice that you would you would go through the motions and stuff, but you are not committing a crime. You have done nothing wrong. You are doing a, a lawful action, walking down the street, carrying a weapon... You have no reason to be detained because there is no suspicion that you have created a crime. There was no robbery up the street. You're not running with one. I, the it is the it, this is at least in Tennessee, right? It is the right of the police if they meet reasonable suspicion. Okay, they can stop you and detain you. Okay, they, talk if, to you can't detain right. you. Well, uh, Eli, maybe you can. Okay, you're so the you're the police officer here. <laughs> detainment is is basically you are holding somebody because you are you have suspected them of committing a possible crime. Okay, that is why you detain somebody. As as an MP, when somebody commits a crime on on a base, we can only detain them. We we can't arrest them because it's not our authority to arrest them. We only can arrest military members. Um, but as far as I know, please nobody don't roast me out there. Okay, I'm still a little new. Anyways. But as far as the basics go, I mean, detainment and arrest are totally separate. They are. But when do you determine when that person has – what is the suspicion of a crime that they've committed? They, you have to have probable cause or a reasonable suspicion that they have committed a crime. The two are very different. Reasonable I, suspicion – They're absolutely different. Reasonable suspicion – reasonable suspicion is you have a hunch almost or – you see somebody with a ski mask uh, walking into a bank with a heavy coat on. Well, I think that would almost – Bump up to reasonable carrying suspicion. A, yeah, carrying a shovel of, or something. Of You have a suspicion that this man might be going into the bank to rob it. Sure. 
probable cause would be, well... You see him robbing it. Yeah, you need probable cause for an arrest. Right. Detainment, you need reasonable suspicion. Here, here's let me let me pose a different situation. Okay. On on your on your thing, Chris. I know you want to say something. You get your lips first. You're ready to, <laughs> to talk. Um, I let's say a police officer it receives they receive a nine one one call. There's someone sitting on the side of the road. There's someone that calls in. They're concerned about that person. Okay. okay? That right there is is different. How is it different? Okay, first off, the side of a road is not where somebody sits. A sidewalk. Okay, now that's different. A sidewalk. Sidewalk. Sitting they're on the sitting sidewalk. on the sidewalk. Someone calls in. They're concerned. Okay. They're not. They, they're concerned for that person. Why are we're they not concerned? Gonna, we're not going to say medical. We're not going to say they're concerned. Okay, it is the job of the police officer to walk up and check on that person. Absolutely. To investigate. Okay, where does that investigation end? Because if I ask you, are you okay, and you say yes. Tell me now, where's the probable cause? They're not, they're not stabbing themselves or anybody else with a knife. They're not bleeding. They're not doing anything suspicious. If they're sitting on the side of the road and you ask them if they're okay, if we're saying if Chris, you're the officer. You're you're an EMT. Are you just going to ask someone that you're concerned about? Are they okay? Medical is completely different. There's a whole set of, of guidelines. Yes, yeah, but as you a don't medical know what is wrong with this person. If there is something wrong with this person, it's your job to find out. But there are laws that protect what you, how much, how far you can go. In that investigation, sure, sure. Because if I if if you are not if you are not currently committing a crime, and and like Eli was talking about that reasonable suspicion, if you're walking down the street with an AR and a bag, and I can't prove that you have committed a crime. However, if a half a mile down the road a bank was robbed, and now you're walking down the road with an AR and a and a bag. That, I think, is a little bit more of reasonable suspicion. But just the fact that somebody's walking down the road with a weapon does not and should not give anybody the ability to detain them and and do a deep investigation over performing a lawful, protected activity. I'm not saying that it should be a deep investigation. I'm literally just saying if someone calls the cops on me for walking around with my gun, I'm going to have a conversation with the cops. They're going to say, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. No, no, no. You know, and we're just going to have a conversation. But my point is, it's their job to investigate what is going sure. on. Sure, and that's the difference because, because it's out of place. It, it, it is, is out, out of place. place for some person enough for them to call the police. And what the difference is, some of those people would be a dick about it and say, "You're you're violating my rights. Yeah. I'm not going to talk." Yeah. But there are nice people who would, and that that's what makes or breaks. And, and honestly, that's 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 what escalates these these law enforcement situations because because if, now you're acting suspicious if you're saying I'm not talking to you right I, because now I'm, not only am I out here showing my weapon I'm going to now you know prove that I know my rights and my rights are I don't have to answer your questions because what crime have you have you suspected me of committing that's the difference you have somebody like you who first of all, I don't think you would just go out and make a show to show your weapon just to prove <laughs> it but you know if you did. And, and an officer stopped you, you are the type of person who, you know, would say, obviously, I'm not doing anything wrong. So, yes, I will give you my ID. Yes, you can check me. Yes, you can, you know, find out because you're a nice person, because that is what you do to interact positively with law enforcement. But there are plenty of people out there who see the Second Amendment as completely different and the laws around that. Can, and the first thing they say is, first off, tell me what crime have you, you know, and it goes back to and the I, fact I cannot that, stand watching those stupid videos. People. What? Yeah, just, they drive me so nuts. Mad. But they're you know they're they're really good training videos. But the reality is, it starts with that phone call. If I call nine one one, 
because I see somebody walking down the street with an AR, that's on me because I should have known that it's none of my business because I'm not pointing at anybody. I'm not shooting at anybody. I'm going to call 911 if there's a car wreck and somebody's life is in jeopardy. Sure. And and I agree, but I think it also comes in the fact of, of the officer's safety as well because today, I don't, you know, it's so obvious that police are actively being, you know, yeah. hunted. Hunted. That's and a good way to say hurt. it. So, I mean, this, you know, almost like, um, I, I want to say the Nashville bombing, but he literally put, this is a bomb, go away, or something like that. Yeah, it's a speaker. very strange situation. But either way, I mean, when we were talking about it, one of the first things we said is, I wonder if this was a bait to get law enforcement close to the to yeah. the van yep. before it blew up. Mm-hmm. And um, they almost did. It they almost did. Very close. But and he my waited thing, until they were actually walking away before he hit the switch. Too, right, right. Which was oh, nice. I didn't think about that. I, I thought it was on a timer or something. No, sure. he was in the vehicle. Was, so he actually was observing. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I figured he killed himself and then set a timer or something. Mm-hmm. No. From my understanding, he was watching them and actually waited for the officers sure. to go away. Wow. He was yeah. a nice bomber. But anyway, <laughs> go ahead with your point. So my point what <laughs> the is, best kind. is that officer safety, at least now, is, is one of the biggest things preached on. You know, um, unfortunately, is, is it's the raw fact of if this man, if you're investigating a man who, you know, you don't know who he is, you know. Chris, Chris, of course, knows who Chris is. Jess, of course, knows who Jess is. But, you know, officer so-and-so over here doesn't know who Jess or Chris is. So when he comes onto a scene or, or a he gets a call about, you know, man with a gun is probably the scariest thing, you know, because at least I, I don't know about you guys. But if someone said, hey, there's this guy hanging out over here by your house, you've he's got a gun, you know, he's on the street. I don't know who this guy is. Yeah. He's outside my house with a gun. He's on the street. But he's standing outside so he's, my he's house. He's not on your property. He's, right. he's standing outside your house. I want you to go over there and ask him what he's doing. You're still going to be a little bit like, oh, okay, I don't know this guy. What if, what if this guy, what if first thing I do, I walk out my door, this guy points a gun at me and shoots me. So I, I understand the the premise of this is my life, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. But it, you also have to understand that they don't know that. You know, they don't and know it's the officer's life too. It's they have a right just sure. as much as anyone to make sure that they are protected in the, the in the in the they have to do their job. Yeah, right. And so, but if, their rights can't impede your rights. That's true. Yeah, you, their their rights stop where the other person's begin. However, um, my my whole point of this discussion is is somebody found it odd. Somebody was suspicious. Something about this person was outside of the normal environment that this person experiences, and that's why they called about it. That's what this person is going into. This is an abnormal person, okay? If you live in a town where there's always people walking around with guns, or like in our town where you can walk in the supermarket and see someone walking around with a big old giant big iron on their hip, you know, Mm -hmm. that's normal. and No one's going to call the police about that guy. But maybe that's not normal around where you are. And that's why this person called the police. And, and right. sure. I think the police should investigate and should make sure, hey, this is an abnormal person. Let's make sure he's okay. And if he is okay, then he's... But she's going to check on them. Absolutely. Yep. And it's a conversation. It's not an investigation. It's a conversation. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, how's it going? Look, I'm here because I got a call. Somebody was concerned. Is everything okay? Yep. And, and that's the extent. Yes, I'm okay. I'm just out exercising my mm-hmm. rights. Very good. Thank you. Have a good day. See you later. And it's almost, and, and I know a lot of people, at least when I do see these audit videos, um, that their big, you know, upsetting point is that they try to ID them. 
and know who they are. In well, a lot of you? states, you have the right. The officers have and, the right to ask you for. ID. And I believe in Tennessee, that's one of those states. Yep, I think so. Um, Is that correct? We need. Um, I don't believe so. If you're, uh, we know what we need to do. We need to find an officer to bring on the show. Yeah. Sure. Uh, we are going to work on that because we can speculate. Because my and, my knowledge is limited as far as being an MP and yeah. being an MP and being a civilian law enforcement officer are totally different things. Sure. And I'm uh, sure there's a lot of premises that are the same, but yes, very much the as concepts far as are different. apprehending and, and basics of policing. But as far as laws go and, and because as an MP, if I were be on post, you know, patrolling the roads and a civilian shop list from the supermarket, I can only detain that civilian. I have to wait till civilian law enforcement gets there so they can arrest him. I can't arrest that person. That person cannot go through our court system. So what we're saying is that if we're going to rob a supermarket, do it on base so that you can just no, let us go. No, because they will still detain you, and basically I think they can either kick you off post and turn you into civilian law enforcement. It depends on the post, really. There's SOP and all this stuff, which is standard operating procedure, and there's different things for different posts. But I think you probably could get on the post anyway if you were a civilian. Then I don't think probably. You, military. You, you can, if, so gotta, in Missouri, at least, civilians can come on to post uh, if they live in the state, they can come onto the post as long as they're a citizen of it or a citizen, a legal resident of that state. Oh, so. I got I to tell you, you know, what we do, I know we're, we're running close on time here, but I got to tell you the story since we're talking about getting on base. Several years ago, when my grandfather was alive, um, he was he was of that age where he just didn't care what people thought about him, and he did what he wanted to do. He was he was very much free, and uh, and I went to visit him. He lived out west. He actually he lived in Colorado, and and there's NORAD on the side of of the mountain. Mm. And he wanted to take me and show me. And I was like, yeah, that's great. So let's, we get in the car and he drives this like, you know, total like grandpa, big, you know, LTD looking <laughs> car Boda. Yep. And, uh, and we, so we look suspicious as hell anyway. <laughs> and so we're like cruising up and in the road going up to NORAD, very plain looking, looking, you know, two lane, two lane road. And we're driving and then there's, there's signage that says, you know, this, there's a subdivision they built close to it. And it says, you know, the turn for the subdivision is to the right. The farther you go down this road, the more ominous the signs are. This is the next to the last exit for this subdivision. If you are going to the subdivision, take this exit. Otherwise, you're going to a military. But the farther you get, it's, you know, then there's that sign. You have passed the road for the subdivision. You know, you are now entering a military facility. Visitors will be, you know, dealt with. Right. So he stops at that sign because I'm over there like, hey, uh, Grandpa, let's uh, let's read the signs here. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, you know, this this isn't a bad – there doesn't look a welcome center up there. Mm -hmm. He said, well, I've got an idea. There's there's another base in Colorado Springs – I think it's an Air Force um, base. I can't remember, but yeah, uh, he I think said, there is one. It's in a ba- and, and they've got the visitor center right. out front. So he yeah. said, "Let's go there." So we drive to the other side of Colorado Springs, and and we, we're in line to this base. And this is shortly after nine eleven, so the base is locked. Yeah, we didn't know that. He didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I, and I was just excited. And so we get to the we get to the little guard shack, the, the welcome center, and you know the guy comes out. He's like, "What's your business here?" And here's just like you know seventy five year old man in this LTD looking suspicious. He's like, "We're just here to visit." And he's like, "Negative, you're not going to do that." You yeah. know, he's a pull forward, go into that turnaround, turn around, get out. Yeah. And so Grandpa's like, "Oh, we I mean we can't even like I'm just trying to show my grandson." The guy's like, "Out." Yeah. So he turns around, and we're going back down the road. He's like, "Oh." You know what? While we're on this side of town, there's something I've been meaning to do. So we stop at this pawn shop. He gets out of the car and he goes to his trunk and opens. He's like, my neighbor gave me these guns 
they're antiques, oh. and I wanted to get them appraised. So yeah. he goes to his trunk and like pulls oh. these guns out. That's a big no-no. It's, and I'm like, oh, holy no. crap! Like, well, I'm so glad we didn't get on base. Oh my goodness. You, so, uh, as far as you can get in trouble for that, but um, it's almost like going through an airport. You have to declare it. Um, you're not allowed to bring firearms on post um, unless I think that, like I said, that depends on the post you know i don't know if for some posts if you have a carry permit you're allowed or not but um oh and i recant my statement about civilians I, i'm pretty sure you have to be accompanied by a military person i'm not sure so tell us tell us email them if you go if you're at fort leonard would tell us i don't know yeah but and we definitely want to get a police officer to answer you know our conversations about uh, about that because we, we i got my law degree from google U, and you know i can i can read and research everything every day but you know, if we're going to talk about things, then then I would like the knowledge, and right. maybe we can get an officer on the show to, you know, answer some of these questions. Right. But basically, if so, now it's basically it comes down to random searches at the gate and all that. Um, but if you're found with a firearm at the gate, they just say, "Hey, turn around, go, leave." That's that's well, all that happens. At least it doesn't seem like you're getting a ton of trouble, which is really good. And he's you're not scary. slammed on the hood and like, you know, frisked or whatever, no. like cavity searches. No. I mean, that's great. No, but I do think if you did an open carry audit at a military base, you would probably, that would probably not. I would say well. that would not, that would a not good example a lot of you. Yeah. I just think, I don't think it would be, you know, guns drawn or nothing like that. If they tried to walk on the post, just, then that's different, but right. just the word audit makes me so upset. Like yeah. I, that's a that's Just something we it. could probably make a whole Who show. Who licenses well. you yeah. to audit yeah. the police? Right. Go do something productive with your life. Sure. Stop it. Get some help. Seriously. Awesome. Good way to end it, I suppose. Yes, Eli. Thanks for joining us today. Mm-hmm. It's been very good having you. Yep. I had a lot of fun. Your mic is actually on this time. Good. So yeah, yeah. you know, and funny thing, he actually joined us on a on a previous show. And uh, and we had some mic issues, so we we had to like meticulously edit him out. Like it, <laughs> yeah. it was like brain surgery. So you guys heard <laughs> this like <laughs> finely crafted show. There were a few little it, moments. It, where you, it was like, yeah, oh, but there weird. was like a whole other person there having a conversation. Whole with us other that we, subject matter. It was <laughs> like, who are they talking to? Yeah, so it was quite, it was us answering like a ghost, and so we it took us a little bit to get that edited out. But he is with us today. His mic was on. Uh, we appreciate him coming, and, and mm-hmm. thank you for your service. Um, to our country. We appreciate that because some of us can't serve. Well, I mean, be a, be a person worth serving for, you know, see, there you go. That's good. That's good advice. Well, thanks for listening to this episode. Check us out on uh, your podcast platform. Rate us, uh, visit our website, still love. Yeah, bro. With a Y a, with a Y a.com. We also have email addresses, Chris at still love you, bro.com and Jess at still love you, bro.com. Once again, with a Y a, um, thanks again for listening, guys, and please leave your comments and suggestions. Email us anything you want to know or want to talk about. We'll be more than happy to bring those issues onto the show. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about it. Catch you next week. Adios. Adios.